0: chapter 1 we're going to start there and we're going to start a new series for this Christmas season today so uh, we're going to start here in John 1 in verse 1 in the New Living Translation and we're going to start this Christmas series for the next several weeks and I believe you're going to get something today it says in the beginning the word already existed The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Verse 5. Now, this is going to be the key verse for this series. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I'm going to read that one more time. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. Y'all remember Testimony Series? Don't forget that. And John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into this world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. Even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, notice that he gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Verse 14, so the word became human. And made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the father's one and only son. Come on. We can go home right there. Just reading the word of God. So if you're taking notes. The title of this series. And actually the title of this message is. Hope in the dark. Hope in the dark. And I really feel like. Especially today. And even in the next week. We're going to talk about some things that are a little bit more heavy. But I want to talk about the reality of where most people live at. And I believe, especially the next two weeks, I believe the whole series, but especially the next two weeks, that a lot of you in here are going to receive some hope. Some hope in your life. Hope in the dark. That's what you're going to find in this series. Now, when I first started preaching um, full time, You know, I did youth rallies when I was a teenager. You don't want to hear those messages. Um, I was 18 years old. 31 now. So I've been preaching every week of my life for the past 13 years of my life. And I decided when I became a preacher, I didn't want to be a preacher who talks in such a way that people can't relate to. I don't want to be a preacher who acts like they're a spiritual giant and lives in heaven and utopia in a Christian bubble and doesn't face real life. Because preachers who preach like that are liars. Y'all hear? It. Preachers who preach like that are not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help them God. They're not telling the truth. And preaching like that really doesn't help people because people say, well, I'm not you. I'm not a preacher like you, and I'm not a spiritual giant like you, so I can't get that. I don't live there, so I guess I can't do that. And so a lot of people leave services hopeless because they hear the preacher talk about where they're living, which is not completely the truth. And they think, well, I can never do that, and my life can never be that way. And, you know, they leave feeling discouraged and beat down and hopeless. And so I never want to be a preacher like that. Because I'm not a spiritual giant. I don't live on the mountaintop. I do believe in victory. I do believe you can be an overcomer. But life is real. And tests and trials, tribulations come to the just and the unjust. The righteous and the unrighteous. Because you live in a fallen world. You live in a planet that's under a curse. And we read this a few weeks ago in our Stranger Things series. It says that there's an enemy who is the God of this world. And he will do everything in his power to discourage you, to depress you, to make you sick, to make you go home early to heaven. To think that this life is, there's no way to find a way out. There's no way to find hope. There's, it's always going to be bad. It's always going to be dark. It's always going to be discouragement. There's a God of this world, the enemy, who's going to try to do that to you. So we can't just get up here and preach that that's not a reality because it is. And I want to preach messages that don't just help you on Sunday. I don't like messages that just help you on Sunday. It's like Sunday you're excited, but you need help on Tuesday. You need a message that's going to help you on Tuesday afternoon, not just Sunday morning. You need a message that Thursday night when you're depressed and you don't feel good and you, you feel like complaining and you feel like giving up, the words from the message on Sunday morning come back to you. Because the preacher actually talked real. He didn't just talk preacher talk and just got you excited on Sunday morning and you're excited, but that's it. And I don't want to talk preacher talk. You know what preacher talk is? A lot of preachers will say things to get you excited when they preach, but it's false hope. And I'm not into giving people false hope. I'm into getting people real hope. And that's what I believe this series is going to be all about. This is not preacher talk. This is not false hope. This is real hope. The hope that's found in God. This is not just talk that I'm up here saying, well, you go get a Bentley and you're going to get out of debt by next week. That's preacher talk. It's false hope. Real hope. So that's where we're going to go this morning. You guys excited about this? We're going to talk about hope in the dark. The definition of hope is this. Hope is to expect and desire something good in your future. Hope is to expect and desire something good in your future. I love this. This is another definition of hope given. And it says that hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness around you. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness around you. And we're talking this morning about hope in the dark. Now, we live in a time in history that's dark, is hopeless. If you watch the news enough, you'll feel that way. If you pay attention to social media and what's going on around you, You will feel the darkness because it's real. You will feel hopeless. And the thing is, we need to realize that hope is being able to see the light despite all the darkness around us. We shouldn't be shocked as believers that the world is getting darker. The world is getting more hopeless. Because in your Bible, it says in Isaiah 60, that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And it says that the closer we get to Jesus coming back, the world will get worse, not better. It will get darker. It will get more scary. There will be more hopelessness around us. And for the believer, we shouldn't buy, buy into all those ideas of the darkness and hopelessness around us because There's good news in those verses in Isaiah 60. It says that, yes, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people and the world will get darker and it will get more hopeless, but it says, then you, the church, will shine brighter. Now, that's what you are a part of, the church. And when it gets darker, guess what? The church shines brighter. When it gets darker, the church shines brighter. When you go to work and it's darker, guess what? You as a believer should be shining brighter. When it gets darker at your school, you should be shining brighter. Because light shows up so much more when it's darker. Come on, are you getting something so far today? And we see that God in his word in Isaiah, this is... This is thousands and thousands of years ago. Isaiah prophesied this, that darkness would be on the earth and hopelessness, but the church would shine bright. We see that um, we live in a world that in Ephesians 2.12, you could just write this down. It says, before we met Jesus, that we were without God and without hope in this world. So you can't blame people for being hopeless without Jesus because they are. You can't blame people for doing crazy stuff in this earth because they're upset and they're hopeless and they're discouraged because they are without God and without hope in this world. And we see, especially in the past several years, it's a good thing. Mental health has come to the forefront of the conversation, not just in the United States, but around the world and people are talking about mental health like never before, and it's necessary because a lot of times people didn't talk about it and suffered silently, and how me know if you don't tell anybody what you're going through, you're going to have to handle that yourself, and it's not going to be good, and we see that mental health in not just this country, but around the world is at an all-time high, not just with a certain age group. It's all age groups. We have Young people like never before that are still in middle school and high school and college taking antidepressants that years ago, they never would have thought such a thing would have happened. They have people that are middle-aged and elderly and all sorts of age groups. It's at an all-time high in the earth. And the suicide rate is at an all-time high. It's a 50-year high. It's even to the place that we've seen in this past year uh, famous people, some of you know who they are designers, artists, athletes take their life. And they, on the outside, had everything going right for them family, money, success, good looks but they were hopeless and they let the darkness overtake them. Now, you need to listen to me today. I told you it's going to be heavy for a second. But we need to talk about where most people live, even Christians. People that go to church are here on Sunday morning. You say, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm blessed. No, you're not. Some people really are, but not everybody's in that category. And if we don't talk about it, guess what? The enemy will take advantage of us in that area because he wants us to be silent about it. So we see that Suicide is at an all-time high, and this time of year especially, the statistics show us that from Thanksgiving to New Year's is the time of year that most people commit suicide, is that depression and anxiety is at an all-time high. So from Thanksgiving to New Year's, it skyrockets out at a, any other time of the year. And there's something that happens to people, and that's why I'm addressing this in December between Thanksgiving and New Year's is because I want you to have some hope. And I want the lies of the enemies to be silent today. And I want the darkness to be shown up for what it is and the light of God to come into that situation. Because we're not going to let the enemy take advantage of us And so we see here that there's a hopelessness that happens between Thanksgiving and New Year's. You know, um, the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. For a lot of people, it's not. For a lot of people, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. And I know you're thinking, Pastor, you are the Grinch this morning. (laughs) You are Ebenezer Scrooge, for goodness sakes, Pastor. Cheer us up but you need to think about somebody other than yourself. I, I, I'm I'm all for you enjoying your blessings and, and being glad that you're doing great and your family's doing great, but not everybody's in that category. Because the, the statistics wouldn't have shown us that from Thanksgiving to New Year's, there's more suicides committed than any other part of the year. It's not the most wonderful time of the year for most people if that's the case. And that's true. And so we need to talk about it. And, We need to talk about it in church because there can be hope in the dark. Now, once again, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness around us. Are you guys getting something so far today? Let's turn over to Proverbs 13 and verse 12 in the New Living Translation. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 in the New Living, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life but notice it says hope deferred makes the heart sick I would say that's a good definition of depression hope deferred makes the heart sick and a lot of people whether that's a a family situation it's a relationship maybe it's financial uh, it could be your own personal health in your body Sometimes when things don't happen the way that we thought that they should happen or in the timing we thought that they should happen, what happens? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the one time you used to be a hopeful person and a faith-filled person, if it's deferred or delayed long enough, a lot of times we lose that. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, when he's talking about your heart here, I think more specifically he's talking about your soul. It makes your soul sick. You know, being heartbroken is a real thing. It's not like, no, just get over it, guys. No, being heartbroken is a real thing because it's your soul. And a lot of things can break your heart, not just a relationship. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we know that feeling. A lot of you know that feeling, that feeling of hopelessness in your soul. And, of course, we know if you're sick in your soul, you're eventually going to be sick in your body. It's going to come out in your body. You're not going to feel right in your body. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel achy. You're going to, your stomach's going to hurt. Your heart's not going to feel right. You're going to live in a fog in your brain. That's all because hope deferred made you sick. Because we know it all starts in your heart. If your heart and your soul is not in a good place... Your physical body's got to suffer. So we see hope deferred makes the heart sick or the soul sick. And then your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And hear me very clearly this morning, church family. Out of anything in your life, the enemy attacks your soul. He's not after your spirit because your spirit's connected with God. He's after your soul because that's where he can get you. He's after trying to get in your mind, to get in your will, to get in your emotions and make you feel like you're up one day and down the other. Realize that's not just you. There's an enemy behind that because he wants to mess with your soul. Because if he knows he can get your soul sick, he can get you sick. And that means when you get sick like that, you are hopeless. You give up hope. And there's darkness all around you. That's where the enemy wants you to get as a person. Not just a believer. He's after everyone. He wants your soul to be sick. Your mind, your will, your emotions. And it happens when hope is deferred. It makes you sick. But what is hope? Hope is seeing that there's light despite all the darkness around us. Hope is being able to see that there is hope. There is light. There is life. There is something beyond this darkness that I'm experiencing right now. Hope. Hope is being able to see that. When you can't see it with your natural eyes, when you can't see it or feel it with your feelings and your emotions and your body, hope is being able to see that there is light despite the darkness around us. It's hope in the dark. So we see that in the Bible, light is symbolic of a lot of things. Light is symbolic of purity of power, of life, of hope. That's why a lot of times the Bible will even say God is light and there's no darkness in Him at all. He also refers to us as believers that we are children of the light. Some translations say we are children of the day, so there's there's something with this day and this light that has hope attached to it. But on the opposite side, we see that darkness is symbolic for a lot of things too. Even in the culture, every scary movie you've ever seen was in the dark. (laughs) They didn't have all the lights on. It wasn't the middle of the day at lunch when they filmed the movie. It was at night. It was in the dark. Because there's something scary about the dark. There's something scary about not being able to see. So there's... Even in the culture attached to this idea of darkness or night, there's something scary or negative. When people commit crimes, when do they commit crimes? At night. In the darkness. There's a reason for that. And we see that through his word, through God's word, that we see that light is symbolic of the good, the powerful, the pure, the life, the hope. And darkness is a symbolic for the enemy Something that is hopeless, something that is scary, something that is not good. We see that all throughout God's word, those two things are described, light and dark. And hope is light. Some people say that depression, another way to put it, is the dark night of the soul. When we're depressed, it's a dark night of the soul. So, what do we need? We need some light. We need some light. You ever seen an, an old movie where they um, they didn't have the technology we have today, and they're traveling? Let's just say on the boat or maybe in a wagon or something like that, and they're traveling. And, you know, they stop at night, and no matter what they're going through, they always say, "Well, let's just wait till morning time." To wait till the sun comes up. Because they realize there's something that can change the next day. That when the light comes back up, everything that was scary at night time and all the things they were going through before can change in an instant. Because the darkness is temporary. And I don't want to sing a song, but the sun will come out tomorrow. I know if you've lived more than one day on the planet, guess what? Tomorrow, it doesn't matter how dark it is today. It doesn't have, matter how many storms and clouds there are in the sky. Tomorrow, the light will come out in the morning. Have you ever woke up and the sun did not come out? No. The sun will come out tomorrow. It will be in the morning because why? Darkness is only temporary. The nighttime is only temporary. Temporary. And the trick of the enemy is to get you to thinking that it's going to last forever. That it will always be night in your life. It will always be dark in your life. But it's only temporary. It's subject to change. Just in the natural world we see that sun will come out in the morning. Doesn't matter how bad it was at night. The sun's going to come back up tomorrow. Tomorrow. You know, uh, sometimes depression is described as being like in a pit or a cave. And I've experienced that before, and we're going to share a little bit about that in a second. But we see that if someone's in a cave or a pit and it's completely dark, they start panicking because they see no way out. And the complete darkness, not being able to see anything or not even even being able to see in front of your face, that's very scary. And we see that what happens is if somebody's in a cave or a pit or somewhere where they can't see out, they don't need much. They just need a little light. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because they know if it's darkness all around them, they know that there's no way out. There's no hope. But if they just see a little tiny light in the cave, what do they know? There's hope. There's a way of escape. There's life. I'm not going to be stuck in here anymore. And you know what I came to do this morning to some of you in here? I'm not giving you all the light, but I'm going to give you a little bit of light this morning. Because some of you came in here like that. You were in a cave or a pit, and you don't see any way out. You don't see anything but darkness around you. You don't see anything other than darkness, darkness, and more darkness. And your pastor's here to come and shine just a little bit of light. And when you see the light, not, not when you see me, but when you see the light, what do you know? There's a way of escape. There's a way out. I was hopeless before I came in, but if I just see a little bit of light, I know that there is hope on the other side of that. I know that there can be hope in the dark. Come on, are you here this morning? That's what I came to do this morning. That's my assignment is to shine a little bit of light that you can see that there is a way out. There is hope. The night is only temporary. Sun's gonna come back tomorrow. Now I have a verse for you, and now this is a shouting verse. You don't have to shout if you don't want to shout. But before we go any further, I just want to share this with you because I really feel like this is for some people in here today. Psalm Psalm thirty, in verse five. It says, "Weeping may endure for a night." Why? Because it's temporary, guys. The enemy wants you to think, no, this is forever. No, it's not. It's temporary. Weeping or depression or anxiety may endure for a night, but guess what? The sun's going to come back out tomorrow. But joy comes in the morning. I think there's several people in here that need to receive this verse. This might not be for everybody, but this is for somebody today. Weeping may endure for a night or in the darkness, but joy and light comes in the morning. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Joy comes in the morning. This is the truth of God's word. You know what? Your feelings will scream to you the opposite of this verse. That's why we need to align ourselves, not with our feelings, not with our emotions. We need to align ourselves with God's truth. Because your feelings are liars. They're deceivers at best. The truth of God's word is what we just read. Weeping may endure for a night. No, God's admitting it, that this happened to you. This is a hard situation. But the truth of God is that joy and light comes in the morning. There can be hope in the dark. So I want to share a little bit of my story with you. And then we're going to get into a couple other scriptures that I think will really help you today. You okay with that? So we're talking about hope in the dark. So about seven years ago, uh, we went to Manzanillo, Mexico. But before that, now I grew up, I, I've never been depressed, never anxious, barely even discouraged my entire life. But about seven years ago, right before we went to Montenegro, I know some things now all these years later that I didn't know then. But before we went to Montenegro, it was a time in my life that I really feel like that um, physically I wasn't taking care of myself. Nobody wants to say amen on that. Eating Mickey D's, not exercising, stuff like that, which, hello, that makes you feel depressed. Let's just be honest about it, because your physical health has everything to do with your mental health. Of course, mine wasn't only physical, but I know that was one reason. But also, I know mentally and emotionally, I'm one of those people, I don't know if you're like this, if something is going on in my life, I hold it in, and I say, I'm fine. I'm kind of one of those people that enjoy being strong for other people. Anybody want to be honest enough to say that? Even though you're going through stuff, and you trick yourself into thinking, if I just push it down deeper, it's going to get better. (laughs) If I just ignore this feeling, then it's going to change, but it doesn't. It just gets pushed down deeper, but eventually it comes up. So during that period of time, I know there's a lot of things happening in our family, a lot of things happening in church. I'm pretty sure that was around the same time Jessica was going through brain surgery. You know, I was... A young man, I still am a young man, but I was feeling like I could do everything. So I was trying to to preach at the quarry. I was preaching on Sunday mornings. I was doing the praise and worship. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and ignoring my soul. Ignoring my soul. So I came to the place, Monzaneo I don't even know why this triggered it had nothing to do with the people I went with because I lo- loved everyone I went with. But on the trip to Manzanillo, that morning, I wasn't feeling well. And it wasn't just a physical thing. It was mentally I was feeling strange. And so I get on the airplane. And as soon as I get on the airplane to take off, I think it was the combination of everything I just told you plus the excitement and emotion and even uh, just being so hyped up and ready to go that I had a panic attack on the airplane seven years ago. And when I had a panic attack, if if any of you have ever had a panic attack before, you feel like you're dying. My heart was racing, my chest was tight. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt numb all over. My body was tingling. I felt like mentally I couldn't think straight. My mind was racing. If any of you've dealt with panic attacks or anxiety, you know what I'm saying, I thought I was dying. Because I never had that before, so I didn't know what it was. And of course, we get to Manzanillo, I'm gone the whole week, mentally. Because it freaked me out, because I thought, I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. That was how strong it felt. And it took me weeks and weeks and weeks, even to get back to... A place of somewhat mental stability because it felt like for weeks my mind was racing and I couldn't control it. Physically, I didn't feel well, of course, because of the symptoms that panic attacks, anxiety brings on, like your heart palpitations. I went to the doctor. They said, your heart's fine. I said, well, it doesn't feel like I feel like I'm having a heart attack every day. It was because of anxiety and panic. Uh, I went to the doctor for stomach issues. And my stomach's okay, but it's because of anxiety and panic. I went to the doctor one time because of my head, because I was having so many migraine headaches. And the doctor said, you're fine. There's no brain in there. You're okay. There's no reason. <laughs> Joking. He said, you're fine. Your brain looks normal. You're okay. But I didn't feel okay. Come on. Anybody want to be honest enough to say that? The doctor checked you out, and he said, you're okay, but you don't feel okay. Physically, I didn't feel okay. Mentally and emotionally, I did not feel okay. And for a season there, I struggled. Nobody knew I was struggling unless I told them. I told some people like Amzie and Chad and some other people in my life. My family knew. But most people didn't know I was struggling. Because there's something that that was actually amazing that happens. Are you guys getting bored? Okay, I'm just checking. You looked a little bored, so I just thought I would ask that. There's something amazing that happens when you're called in grace to do something. When I would come to church, there would be a grace that came on me, and I felt different, but as soon as I got out of that grace and that anointing, all those feelings came back. When I was doing worship, I felt normal. When I was preaching, I felt normal. When I was in a, a public setting like this talking to people, there was anointing on me to do it and I felt fine. But then when I got out of that, that anxiety, depression, panic came back. So if you've ever experienced that before, you know that you just feel weird mentally. I was paranoid, I was scared, I was getting very strange. Because of anxiety and depression, because they go together. This is what anxiety does. Anxiety goes, takes you to a high high, but then what happens? You go back down, and that's depression. And then it's a cycle. It goes back up, you get really anxious, and your whole body and your mind does this, and then you go back down. Your body and mind does this back into depression. They go together. Now if any of you have ever experienced this, you know what I'm saying is true. They go together. And so there was a a time there that I felt like um, I was scrambling. Like, I'm going to try to take as many supplements as I can to help me feel better. I'm going to try to eat better food. I'm going to try to exercise. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to quote the word. I'm going to try to listen to worship. I was just going to try to attack it on every side. And nothing changed. What does the Bible say? Hope deferred makes hearts sick. So, the more that went on, the stranger I felt, the more I felt hopeless. I don't know if anybody's ever felt hopeless before, but you feel like you're stuck and you feel like there's no way out. This is never going to change. And it gets scary because you're like, I don't want to be like this forever. And you know what? I didn't get to the point that I was thinking too seriously about suicide, but I get why people feel that way. I get why people get to the point where they feel like, even though it's not true what your feelings line to you, But I get why people get to the place where they say, I'd rather just not be here than suffer through this every day. It makes sense when you're going through it. But the truth is that there's hope in the dark. And I'm seven years from that experience, and sometimes I still struggle as your pastor. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense in the, in the natural. Because some of you could say in here, well, Pastor, what's your problem? You got everything's great in your life. You got a good family. You got a nice house. You got a car. You're good looking. <laughs> <laughs> you got a great personality. Goodness. I mean, <laughs> joking, guys, smile. you got everything going right for you. What's, what's your problem? Well, sometimes it's a spiritual thing too. So even since then, you know, there's been times where I've had seasons of anxiety and, and panic. And then, of course, I kind of get it back together again. Or, or seasons where there's a heaviness or depression I feel. Now, it's not stopping me. But I'm just saying you, to you that even your pastor can have those feelings. I'm not laying in bed this morning, so it's not stopping me. Come on. (laughs) You can have victory. You can be an overcomer. But I'm saying just because you're removed from it doesn't mean there's still not some feelings and emotions. And physically, you don't feel right. But realize your feelings are liars. They don't tell you the truth. God's word tells you the truth. You guys follow me so far? So we see that um, it was Christmas Eve. I don't remember how far after that first season of uh, anxiety and depression, which that was probably the worst. And I was feeling strange. And I remember we went to the New Albany Exchange. Anybody ever been there to eat downtown New Albany? It was Christmas Eve. Most wonderful time of the year, right? No, it wasn't. I wasn't doing good that day. And the family was there. And mom and dad could just look at me and see, he's not right right now. Have you ever noticed that in people's eyes? You can see it. It's like a glazed look in their eyes. You know, there's, not, there's something that's not right right. Something's bugging him. Something, something's going on. It's either he's depressed right now or he's anxious or something because I had this weird look in my eyes. And I felt weird, so who knows the way I was looking because I felt weird. I didn't feel right. And my lovely mother, who, who all of you love so much, now she talks to me all the time. like too much (laughs) all the time I'm just like you've already called me 10 times today call Jessica call somebody else (laughs) talk to somebody you've called me 10 times today so my mom she talks to me a lot a lot so a lot of you know this especially with moms you can tune them out after a while you're like okay mom you've told me this even when you're adult you're just like all right mom I love you but you've told me this 25 times. How many times are you go tell me the same thing? Now be respectful to your mama. So anyways, my mama, she talks to me a lot. A lot more than my dad. A lot. And so, like I said, you can, you can tune out certain things that certain people say. But that day... I had that glazed look on my eye. It was Christmas Eve. It was probably about a year and a half after Manzanillo happened. I was still feeling really weird. And that was one of those days I started crying at the exchange for no reason. You guys are acting like you've never been there before. You're like, no, pastor, you're the only weird one here. No, because I was going through so much stuff. And I was keeping it inside, and I felt like, well, I'm never going to be normal again. So I started crying at the exchange. No one even said anything to me. I was crying. And mom said, and it doesn't even seem like a big deal now. Mom said, Jordan... She said, Jordan, you're going to be okay. Right then, you're thinking, that was it? It was one of those times where somebody can say something very simple, but it was anointed by God for that time. What does the Bible say? A word in season that brings refreshing to those who are weary. And you know, all it was, was a little light. It wasn't a lot of light. I didn't feel like a million times better right then. I didn't feel like going and, and laughing and playing and having a great Christmas. All it was, was just like those people in the cave. It wasn't a lot of light, but it was just a little bit of light that somebody shined in and said, you're going to be okay. And when I saw that light, what did I think to myself? I thought, there's hope. That little light in that cave makes me think there's a way out. There's a way of escape. And if I see just a little bit of light, I know that things can be different. There can be hope in the dark. Just by that one conversation. Very simple. And that's what I hope that this message is doing for you today. There can be hope in the dark. The Bible says, "What did we just read? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning." The darkness and hopelessness that a lot of us in here maybe have went through or are going through right now is temporary, because there is light and there is hope. But sometimes you just need somebody else to come in and tell you, "Hey, you're down in that cave. You can't see anything." You need somebody to get down the cave and say, hey, look, there's light. There's a way out. Come on up here. Regain your hope. Regain your faith. There's a way out of this. And all we need is just a little bit of light to bring hope. And then it grows. And it grows. And then it's day. Let me read a verse to you, John 1 and verse 5. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I'm going to tell you some good news. If you have Jesus living on the inside of you, no matter how dark it gets in your light, this verse. No matter how dark it gets, there's a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, because you're not just in this world by yourself alone, trying to figure it out and the darkness by yourself, but if Jesus lives on the inside of you, I don't care how depressed you feel, how anxious you are, what you're going through physically, maybe you feel suicidal this morning, if you have him, he is the light in the darkness, and he lives on the inside of you, so there's hope, because there's a light that shines in the darkness and the good news is and the darkness can never extinguish it. I don't care how much the darkness feels like it's around you. The good news is the light of Jesus living on the inside of you. The darkness cannot extinguish it. And I believe that's what's happening today. There is the light and the hope of God coming into the darkness of your life giving you hope in the dark. I want to give a couple verses in a second on the subject of hope that helped me through that time in my life. But first, let's look over at Psalm 119 and verse 130. Because I just read that Jesus is the light that the darkness can't extinguish and he's living on the inside of you. But Jesus and his word are one. And if we're going to have light in a dark situation, if we're going to have hope in the dark, we're going to have to let the light of God's word into our life to bring us light in a dark place. What does it say in Psalm 119, 130? The entrance of your words give light and he gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your words give light and it gives understanding to the simple. So how does Jesus, one of the main ways he brings light into your situation is through his word. When you're in a dark place like that, you need to realign yourself with the truth of God's word. And let the light of the word, the entrance of your word gives light. Make the darkness go away because of the light of God's word. I'm going to give you a few verses that God gave me during that season of my life that I feel like can help you. They were a light in a dark place. Romans 4 and verse 17 through 20 in the New Living Translation. This is talking about Abraham, who is the father of our faith. It says that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now this is the verse right here, verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. And in fact, his faith grew stronger, and this brought glory to God. Can we jump back to verse I think 16? Romans 4, or I meant 18. Romans 4, 17, 18. There we go. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Now this verse came to me in that season of darkness, and it was light to me. The entrance of your words, give light you need to get into your Bible so that God can give you some light in your dark place? And it says that Abraham, even though there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping and believing. He kept hoping and believing. And in that situation, I felt like there is no reason for hope. There is no reason to keep believing because I feel like this is never going to change. This is always going to be this way. But God said, just like your father Abraham, you need to keep believing and keep hoping and keep trusting when there's no reason in the natural for hope. Because later on we see that because Abraham believed like that, God fulfilled that promise in his life. Now Abraham is the father of our faith. He's the father of our faith. He's an example for us. The father of our faith or really the father of our hope because faith and hope work together. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen because if you have no hope for your future to be any different, your faith has nothing to work with. So listen to these words today as your pastor if you're in this situation Decide you're going to be like Abraham, your father of faith. And it says when there was no reason to hope, he kept hoping. So what do I see out of that, it was a choice. It was a intentional choice. Now, that's not what you wanted me to say today. You wanted me to say that I'm going to pray over you and God's going to make all the bad feelings run away from you this morning. But the truth is, Abraham chose to be hopeful when it wasn't hopeful. He chose to be full of faith when it wasn't a situation that seemed like it was going to turn out the right way. He chose to keep on hoping, to keep on believing. It was a choice, not a feeling. Because if you're going to go by your feelings, you're going to remain hopeless the rest of your life. So, Abraham chose to be hopeful. He chose to be full of faith. What's to say, even though there was no reason for hope, Abraham chose to keep on hoping and believing that he would be a father of many nations. And you know what, all these thousands and thousands of years later, he was right? Wasn't he? Abraham's the father of many nations. You know, every Jewish person, every Christian person, and even every Muslim takes their lineage back to Abraham. That just makes up pretty much half of the population of the earth as we speak. So he is the father of many nations, isn't he? But any time there, he could have chose to stop hoping, stop believing. And we wouldn't have Abraham in our Bible. We would have somebody else but he chose to kept, keep on hoping, keep on believing when he had no reason to. The last verse I want to share with you is Hebrews 6, 19, in the Passion. You guys getting some help today? Hopefully you're getting some hope in the dark today. Hebrews six nineteen in the Passion, it says, We have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls to God himself. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Now, you need to realize when the book of Hebrews was written, uh, most of the travel was done by boats, by ships. And in that time, with not having the technology or the ability to make boats like they do today, an anchor was very important because a lot of times they would park their boats in the little, uh, the little bay area. They would park their boats by the shore and they would drop the anchor. But if they didn't have an anchor on that boat, a lot of times in those storms of that day, those boats would end up being destroyed. They would end up being blown around by the wind and the waves so much that those boats would be destroyed, or even worse, the boats would just be taken out to sea because there was no anchor. And it it says in the book of Hebrews that we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls. Why? Because it's your soul. It's your soul is, is the one that's Going up, going down, going up, going down. I feel this. I don't know about this. Your will, your emotions are moving around. It's not your spirit. And it says that this, this hope we have is like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. That hope in the dark, it's holding our souls to God himself. And life can be like that just like those boats that the writer of Hebrews was referring to life can be a little bit stormy there can be some wind there can be some waves you know Jesus never said when you sign up to be a Christian it's going to be smooth sailing all the way to heaven no that's heaven not earth He never said that. That's not in the Bible. He did say you could overcome. He did say you could have victory. He did say you could have hope, but he didn't say everything in your life is going to be perfect. No problems. No challenges. No, you live on this planet. But life can be like that sometimes. You can feel like you're just being beat by waves and by wind and by a storm. And it feels hopeless. And it feels like there's no way out. You can't see the sun anymore. All you can see is dark clouds and rain. All you can feel on your body is the wind and the waves. How many know you feel wind and waves when you're in the ocean? Especially if you're on a boat. People start puking over the side because you can feel it. And sometimes, I guess I'm the only honest one here, sometimes life can feel like that. Okay, come on now. Jesus, help me here. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I got sick the other week, and then mentally I'm struggling this week, and this is going on, and I know you're a God of victory, and I know I'm an overcomer, but I feel it. The wind and waves of life will try to make you feel stuff to knock the hope out of you. The enemy of your soul will give you so many feelings and raindrops on your face and emotions, and you feel the waves, and you feel the storms. That's why people give up. That's why people are hopeless, because they're all feeling it. But the truth of God's word, what is it? It's hope, and it's an anchor to your soul. No, it's, it says it's not just an anchor, but it's strong and unbreakable. Meaning even when the waves are pushing you really far, the anchor's going to hold. Some translations say the anchor is sure and steadfast, meaning it's reliable. It's not going to break under the pressure. It's not going to let your boat fly away. It's not going to let you wreck your boat on the side of the shore. No, your anchor in God, the hope of God, the hope in the dark, I'm preaching 10 times better than you're responding, will hold you steady in the storm, will hold you steady when when the wind and waves are blowing you, will hold you steady. And it's not natural. It's supernatural. Just like Abraham said, there was no reason for him to hope. But why did he hope? Because he had an anchor to his soul that said, I don't care what I feel. I'm going to be the father of many nations. And he was the father of many nations. There's a hope And it's the anchor to your soul. Once again, what's your soul? Your mind, your will, and emotions, the thing that needs the most help. The thing the enemy will attack the most. The thing the enemy will trick you with feelings and thoughts and emotions that are contrary to the truth of God's word. That's where he gets you. And I don't have to tell you this, he's winning the battle with most people in that area. Even Christians. Easily. He's winning the battle. He doesn't have to in our lives, but for most people, they don't have an anchor. So what do people try to do? Their education is their anchor. That's not going to work. Their 401k, and their good job is their anchor. No. Even their family is my anchor. That's not going to work. <laughs> but we need an anchor that's beyond us. That's greater than us. That's more powerful than us. That's stronger than us. And even when we feel like giving up, and we, even when we let go of the rope, we have an anchor that's strong and unbreakable. An anchor to your soul. Are you guys getting some hope and help today? An anchor to your soul. And I'm going to tell you as your pastor, even though it's been seven years since that first panic attack came, and I've struggled some since then, you know what I found out to be true? Even more true than my feelings? Even more true than how I feel physically? There's an anchor, both sure and steadfast. That's an anchor to your soul. All right, you feel it. Okay. But I'm not going anywhere because an anchor is holding my soul. And it's hope. It's hope. I don't know if you're getting this like I'm feeling this. It's hope. I want to encourage you today as we're entering this holiday season and we're starting this series. Hold on to hope. Believe. Be like Abraham. Even though there was no reason to hope, he kept on hoping. Because why? When you do that, it keeps your anchor. Keeps your anchor in God. Keeps your anchor so that your life doesn't go on the rocks. Your life doesn't get pulled out to sea. Because you have an anchor which is hope in God. I believe this with all my heart. There's hope in the dark for you in here today. And if all I did today was this, for some of you in here, it was worth it. I know some of you are sitting here like, I don't have a problem. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. It's not for you. It's for the other people in here that are honest who actually live on this planet. They go through real stuff and don't talk about it at church because they say, I'm blessed, when they're not. Mm -hmm. Your pastor's trying to help you overcome and have victory. So if this is all it was about, for some of you, it was worth it. It's all I'm doing. As your pastor today, that's all I'm doing. You're going to make it. It won't always be this way. You're going to be okay. You're not always going to feel weird in your mind, and your body. It's going to be all right. The night does not last forever. It's not always dark. The sun will come out tomorrow. Joy comes in the morning. That is the truth of God's word. No matter what your feelings are screaming to you today. And there's hope. There's hope today. There's hope in the dark. Brother Gerald, could you come play for a moment? Let's stand up together. I appreciate you guys listening. Man, I even went hoarse. You got me excited. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a second. And I want to ask this before we go any further today. If there's anyone here, first of all, you need to know Jesus.